we're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm your co-host, Benton Crane. I'm joined today by Danny Ruderman. Welcome, Danny. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, Danny is a nationally recognized college admissions counselor. He helps students get into their dream school. He's the author of the book titled The Ultimate College Acceptance System, and he has helped his private clients successfully get into top schools such as Stanford, MIT, West Point, and he's also been featured on many news sources, including NPR, Fox News, and the LA Times. Danny, it's exciting to have you here today. I'm excited to be here. Now, I want to dive into your backstory a little bit, but before we do, let's get straight to the, straight to the fun stuff here. So about a month ago, there was a really fun college admissions um, scandal, right? Yeah, real, real fun. Yeah. Um, now, you, you live down in Hollywood, and that's kind of the neck of the woods that you work in, right? Yes. So that all happened probably not too far from you. It happened actually across the street from where my office is. So once some of the kids who were involved in the scandal went to the high school, literally, if I look out my window, it's over there. Okay, so what? tell us about it. What impact well, did it have on you? Well, so, I mean, it's funny because the, the guy in question who was at the heart of the scandal, the college admissions officer, um, he and I share the same types of clients, but there's one major difference. <laughs> he does everything illegally and I do it exactly the opposite way. So my <laughs> fundamental belief is it's all about authenticity. Um, I don't care if you have, if you're first generation like I am, or if you have all the money in the world. I treat my students exactly the same. I want to help them become the best versions of themselves. And so because of that reputation that I've had over the last 18 years, the scandal actually helped me because I've gotten interviews. I was 60 Minutes, Dateline, because I'm sort of known, especially in this town, as the guy who does it right. And I had to make a decision. The day that it happened, my phone started buzzing on every client, either saying, thank you so much for doing it correctly, or from a media organization saying, someone told us about you. And I had to make a judgment call. Do I want to get my name even out there associated with it? And I decided, yes, because if I can tell the story that this is a small percentage of the population, and it is scandalous, it is absolutely disgusting, and it's deplorable, but most kids do it right. And this, this small percentage isn't going to taint all the kids who are working really hard and really wanting to go someplace. And I wanted to get that message out there. That's awesome. So when you talk about doing it right, give us the nutshell version of what is doing it right? Sure. So <laughs> I, I have all these kids get into top schools. And the first thing that I will say is I don't care. I don't care about the name of a college where my students attend. What I want to help them do is find schools that match, match them academically, socially, where they can go and thrive. And even then, my job is not, I don't see my job as to help kids get into colleges. I, I help them become the best versions of themselves. So there is this unique time frame between age 16 and 18 where kids start making decisions for themselves. They um, start understanding that there's a future for themselves. And that is the ideal time for someone like me to get in and say, hey, you can think big. What do you want to do? One of, the one of the questions I ask my students is, if you had a billion dollars right now, what would you do with the money? And then I follow it up with, okay, if you had a billion dollars and you were out of college and you could have any job, no restriction." What would it be? Now, most kids don't have an answer to that, but they start thinking, what would I want to do? 
It's that for, you can see their brain working. So then I can say, listen, um, I'll, I'll tell, give you an example. So I had a student who I asked the question. He said, well, I, I'd love to be a music producer, but you know, the music business is really hard and maybe I'll, I'm like, hold on, hold on. You're 16 years old. Let's not stop it before it even starts. So if you could intern with anyone in the world, who would it be? He thought about it for a minute. He's like, well, it's one of two music producers. I said, okay, well, let's track them down because adults will do for a 16 or 17 year old what they'll never do for a 22 year old. So long story short, it took about six weeks to track down an email. He sent a cold email to the producer's people. They first gave him one day's worth of work. Then a month later, they gave him three days worth of work. And Lo and behold, a year and a half later, he got off tour with Ed Sheeran and he's producing, he's helping work produce Halsey's new album. That's, okay, that's insane. Because he got his foot in the door and he worked his butt off. It wasn't because somebody had some sort of connection. It was because he's a good kid who worked hard, but he asked. He asked for what he wanted. And that's one of my big messages to kids. Now, many of your clients are some of the big names in Hollywood. Are there yes. sometimes unrealistic expectations from the parents <laughs> for their kids? And if so, how do you navigate that? That's a great question. So one of the reasons why I think I'm good at my job is because I can speak both languages. So I can speak teenager and I can speak parent. And it's all about realistic expectation setting. So a lot of times a parent will come to me and said, we met with our school counselor and within 30 minutes, she made my son cry because she looked at my son's list and said, well, you can't get in there. I don't know why you would do that, especially to a 10th grader. Why would you say you can't do something? And when you hear my personal story, you'll understand why I don't do it that way. So yes, obviously, if you came to me as a C student with a 900 SAT and you told me you want to go to Harvard, okay, well, something's going to have to change then in the last two years of high school. But listen, I had a girl once who literally had C's and D's and for a variety of reasons got straight A's her junior and senior year. She just had to work out some stuff. And she got into schools that her GPA never would have suggested she would have gotten into because it's all about the narrative, right? It's all about this arc of story. So when I talk to parents, I, I'm, I'm very realistic. You know, if you're trying to get into Harvard or Stanford or Princeton, it's a four or 5% acceptance rate, okay? So I'm not gonna say, oh my God, you're gonna get in. But at the same time, I'm not going to just tell somebody and crush their dreams out of the gate because there's a lot of things that kids can do, especially in the last years of high school, to become the best versions of themselves and colleges are looking for that. Fantastic. Let's shift gears. I want to talk about you. Sure. Tell us about your journey. How did you end up as a college admissions counselor and a dang good yes, one at that? It's an interesting one. So when I was a sophomore in high school, my parents moved to a town in outs outskirts of Los Angeles. Um, and we didn't know anything about it. But the second day I was there, I walked around the corner and every kid was laying on the ground. Like, what's going on? Well, there was a kid running across campus that had just shot another kid with a nine millimeter. Like, huh, this is not what I'm used to. And so where I assume- Where had you lived previously? I lived in like a, a middle-class town uh, near Camarillo. And I moved to a town called Fontana in California. Um, and so it, it turns out that 17% of my graduating class went to college. And uh, fun fact, 25% of my graduating class will at some point go to prison. Wow. So it was a very different place. And the story is, is that when I was a senior, my principal actually called me into her office and said, Danny, I understand from your teachers that you want to apply to Stanford. And I said, that's right. She said, well, it's not, a, not you, but you're not getting in. <laughs> I said, thank you so much. She said, look, it's just that our academic reputation is so poor that we've only gotten two kids in in the last 35 years. 
and they were, you know, one was a professional baseball player. You're not that. So why don't you just apply to local schools? Well, my first generation, so my parents didn't go to college. My dad didn't finish high school, but I was a kind of an A-plus driver. I'm like, well, again, if I don't ask, I can't get, right? So I applied and, and got in, but that's not the story. The story is not Danny got into Stanford. It's the way I do this job, which I've already alluded to. Again, I will tell kids all the day, if you don't ask, you can't get. And the story that I have as an example of that is I had a boy a few years ago who called me in his senior year and said, I'm not applying to Stanford. Like, I'm not going to get in. I'm not the top student in my class. And I don't want to do the application. And I said, I don't care. We're doing it anyway. Because what you don't understand is that you have four years of an incredible graphic design portfolio, right? And it's a perfect match for Stanford's product design program. So short, long story short, he applied, got in met a boy named Bobby and started an app called Snapchat. You might've heard of it. That's incredible. So yes, in a very non-egotistical way, I guess I destroyed the world because (laughs) if it weren't for me, he might not have gone and there'd be no Snapchat. So uh, I'm really, that's really great. It's all my fault. But I I love stories like that because I love to see my students go on to do great things. And not everybody's going to do that and that's okay. But again, think big and go for it. And it comes from that very story where people were telling me, well, you're not going to go. And then my dad said, well, if you get in, you're not, we're not going to be able to pay for it. But Stanford stepped up. And that's a thing. Kids don't, a lot of kids and families, low-income families, don't realize that schools like these have a ton of money. And they want you. And they will give you the money. Right? So I, I was sort of a success story. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I do what I do. Got it. Um, okay. So, Danny, what did the path after college look like? So I often tell students who are stressed about not knowing what they want to do. Don't worry about it. I wanted to be a lawyer when I went to college. I majored in human biology. And then in the year after I graduated Stanford, I had eight jobs in that one year. I had 27 jobs in my life. But there was one job that I had as an intern, and I was a ranger in Yosemite, actually. And they put me in charge of kid programs. And I'm an only child, so I didn't grow up with siblings. But for whatever reason, I was good at singing songs about bears, you know, and kids liked me. So uh, it, it sparked something. They say that, that teachers are born and not made. And when I had that experience, I thought, huh, I really want to start doing stuff with kids. So after graduation, I actually worked as an outdoor guide in Virginia, leading teenagers on backpacking expeditions uh, for $800 for three months. My parents were so happy. Was that somewhere on uh, the Appalachian Trail? Yeah, it was. It was on the AT. And I lived in a hovel and uh, lived that life for a good four months. And then it became winter and I moved back. Okay. <laughs> um, from that point on, I basically, I started working as a school teacher. I worked in San Francisco Unified. Um, I then got recruited to teach at a private school in Southern California, which is where I was from. And I was the type of teacher to hold, you know, dress up as a tree or hold classes on old Schwarzenegger. You know, I was young and teaching eighth grade and I thought that every day I had to blow something up or do something. It was like, you know, Mr. Wizard or Bill Nye on steroids. And so So you weren't just um, an educator. You were an entertainer, too. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of my shtick. Yeah. I mean, if you if you're if I always think if your class is falling asleep, it's not their fault. It's your fault as a teacher. So not everything is going to be, you know, fun and great, but it can be definitely interesting. So my first eighth grade class went on to high school and they asked me to start helping them tutor them. And I started getting so many tutor requests that I just, I loved working one-on-one with kids. So I I stopped teaching. I moved into tutoring. 
And when that first class got to be juniors, they said, hey, can you help us with our college applications? And I thought, what's the big deal? You just fill them out. Oh, no. No, no. Now the internet was in play. And it, I realized that it was just unnecessarily complicated. And that was 18 years ago. And since then, you know, it's just reputation, wrote a book, you know, done all kinds of workshops. And, you know, I've gotten pretty good at it. Got it. So you had a learning curve for yourself where you had to solve it for that first group of kids. For sure. And then you kind of realized, hey, I've got a special expertise here and a special talent. I'm going to continue with this. Yeah. And I really liked it. I, again, that, that ability, a teacher wants to have his or her students succeed. So to be able to get in this particular section of their life at such a crucial point where they're making their own decisions, that's why I do this job. It's not the accolades or where they go or my students got into Stanford. I don't care. Again, it's all about like these stories that I tell are great. I love them. Got it. Danny, the podcast is called From Poop to Gold. Tell us about a, a, a point in your journey where things were just so crappy and so terrible that you didn't even know if you were going to make it through. And then tell us how you turned that situation into a gold situation. So I could give you many examples of adult life where that happened, um, you know, where all of a sudden you have no clients or you, and especially in the beginning, you don't know what you're doing. But I'm instead going to choose another instructive story. Because it, it's it, anybody is listening to this, moms or, or parents or uh, or students, it'll be it'll be more informational. So when I was a senior, I was a swimmer and a water polo player, and I asked for two days off at the end of the season. We weren't even really practicing to to study for my AP tests and AP tests are advanced placement exams. Well, for some reason, that really angered my coach. Angered him to the point so much where he took 15 minutes in front of the team and berated me with a lot of bad words and then threw me off the team. Well, my coach was a little bit crazy. So I went back the next day thinking he was having a bad day, but then he talked bad about me to my girlfriend and threw me off the team again. Well, I went home and told my dad at this point and my dad was going to go over there and they, he would have sent my coach to the hospital. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so my dad, that's not going to help anything. I'll handle it. So I went back the next day and said, I set him aside on my coach. I just want to thank you for everything you've done. I appreciate what you've done for me over the last several years, but I think it's best if I don't play for you. And he said, I respect your decision. And that was it. I shook his hand, right? No. He then gave me an F. He then systematically went and talked to all of my teachers. My counselor called me in her office and said, what is going on with your coach? The faculty just voted you the junior of the year. Why is going on? And I told her the story and she said, just stay away from him. Now, the reason that this is important is because, number one, this story is what I wrote my Stanford personal statement on. Okay, so in a funny thing, the the hardest part of high school for me were the thing that I had been doing my whole life had been stripped away from me. And I was being berated by an adult who I was supposed to respect, literally trying to ruin me. And so I took that and did two things. Number one, I couldn't swim or play sports anymore. So I started a mock trial team at my school. They hadn't had one. I wanted to be a lawyer. So I recruited all these kids. I learned the system. I got the faculty and we competed. Okay. And then I wrote my essay about how I handled this situation. And that's all I did for my personal statement. I told the story. And that's what a personal statement should do. It should reveal character through storytelling. So the worst thing that happened to me in high school actually ended up being the best thing because it probably helped me get into Stanford. It made me more interesting because I went outside the box and did something and self-initiated. And my personal statement showed what kind of character I had. So there's your poop to gold story. So in the moment, it felt horrific. 
but it ended yes. up being the key thing that, or one of the key things that got you into Stanford. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about how you bounce back, right? Um, Danny, tell us about your process for networking and what it means in your role. So it's funny because as an only child, despite the fact where I went to college, I really didn't network very much. Um, I just put my head down and worked, you know, 100 hours a week. Um, but in the latter years, I, I found that the key is I don't look for people to do things for me. I look to help other people. And that's just my that's just my MO. That's what I do with kids all the time, right? So if I meet somebody, the very first thing that I ask them is, what are you working on? How can I be of service to you? And of course, Dale Carnegie was the one said, you know, if you want to, if you want to get something yourself, help other people achieve their dreams and watch what happens. Right? Not only will they be more likely to help you, but just, you know, good karma. So, but I don't do it for that reason. I honestly want to help other people. And that connection, when people feel that you're authentic and you really actually want to do good for them, the door is open for you. If people are trying to work it or network to see what they can get out of it, I, I don't really think that that's, that works. And anything other than the podcast coming down the pipeline that you'd like to give a shout out to? Well, I, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Right now, what I'm doing, especially for back to school, I've been teaching these these workshops at schools all over the country. And for the last three months or so, I've been doing it online. I've been doing one to many. Um, and it's been working really great. It's sort of helping me satisfy my mission because instead of me, instead of you having to come to Los Angeles and meet me, I can give you the same step-by-step -step coaching, but I can do it online and I can do it to a lot of people. So, you know, once uh, on my website, all these things will be available. So hopefully I can help as many people as humanly possible, especially ones like me who, you know, didn't know that the opportunities were out there until they were presented to themselves. Fantastic. I love it. For any of our listeners who might be going through this process right now, either parents or, or teenagers, what would your advi advice be to people who are in that situation right now who want to get into their dream school? Great question. And I have three answers for it. Number one, it's only college. That's the first one. People get way bent out of shape about the name of a school when studies have shown that the name of a school doesn't mean anything. It's about the person that you are. So, and also college is amazing. I mean, it really, there's 4,000 schools in the country. Anybody who's been to college will testify. It's pretty awesome. So it's only college. Keep that in mind. Number two, it's really, like I've said, about being authentic. Kids think or parents think that their children need to go and do this or this in order to, quote, look good for colleges, when the exact opposite is true. The real key, the secret to getting into those top schools, if there is a secret, is to authentically be interesting. So if your child has an interest in knitting, okay, let's come up with ways for him or her to knit and, you know, go really deep into that hobby. Okay, in a variety of ways, that self-initiation will end up producing more acceptances than if you do what everybody else is doing. So that leads me to the third sort of principle, which is think outside the box. If you're Stanford or if you're Lewis and Clark, it doesn't matter. There's a thousand other students with your same GPA and test scores. There's got to be reasons why colleges take one student over another. And it really comes down to, okay, who is this student? Is he or she authentically pursuing something? And again, it doesn't have to be grandiose. It doesn't have to be inventing a laser in your basement, right? But the more authentic and true and even vulnerable you are in your essays and your presentation, the more real you're going to be. And that's the kind of kid that they take. 
Danny, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. It's been great to get to know you. Thank you for coming. Okay, make sure to like, subscribe, and share, and we'll see you on the next episode.